12. Hebrews chapter 12. And as I mentioned, you're literally going to make your own notes today, all right? You'll be okay with that. You can do that. And so there's plenty of room on the backside there. And it won't be too long of a message today, but we'll see some things and some thoughts as we look at our passage today. Hebrews chapter number 12. If you remember, over the past few weeks, we've been in Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Faith chapter, and seeing those that put their faith in the Lord. And faith pleases the Lord. Do you realize that today? Enoch had this testimony. He pleased the Lord. And the next verse says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants his children to trust him. And after all that he's done for those in the Bible, and after all he's done in our own lives, you can look back over your own life and see all that the Lord's done. You can trust him today. He is trustworthy. So as we get into chapter number 12, we're getting to the end of the book. We're getting towards the end of the race, but we're not quite there yet. We've got a few weeks to go. Think about what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. He said, I have finished my course. I kept the faith. You realize this morning that God has a course for each of us. We're in a race. We have this thing called life. It's a race. It's a course. Everyone's course is different. No one's course is exactly the same. And some courses go uphill very quick. Some go down very quick. Some stay up on mountaintops for a while, and some have to, you, there's a lot of work with all of it. And sometimes you feel like you get to the mountaintop, then you go right back down, and you can't enjoy the mountaintop. remember doing some hiking, and when I finally got to Cucamonga Peak up there, it's like I just spent five hours getting to this peak, and it was a lot of work. And now I'm going to leave this peak and go back down. It was a lot of work to get up to the peak. Now i got to go back down. You don't even get to enjoy it very long because you got to get back before dark. It's kind of like that in life. It's all this work to finally get up on this mountaintop and the Lord's really blessing. Things are great. And then all of a sudden, Lord, time to go back down? Yeah, it's time to go back down. And it's, there's different courses. We all have different races that we're running. But I'll tell you this. We all have a race and we all have a course. Say, well, am I, do I, does the Lord still have a course for me? Let me ask, are you breathing still? If you're breathing this morning, you still have a course. You might be at the last, you might be the last 10 feet of your course, or you might still have over half your course left. What was it, what was it Christian this morning was saying, they were teasing back there. And uh, so Abby just had a birthday the other day. And so she's in her early 30s, 31 to be, I mean 30 something, you're not supposed to say lady's age. I don't know where that, how that came out. And so Christian was like, well, that's about halfway there. And I'm like, halfway to 62, that's not, you know, that's not very far. And um, Christian's like, yeah, well, people say, I'm only halfway there, and I'm only 51. His wife looks at him, you're 52. Yeah, it starts bad when you don't even remember how, what your age is. So Christian, I'll be there before too long, but I still got a few years before that. Um, but anyways, I thought that was pretty good. Thanks for making me laugh this morning, Christian. That was good. But we all have a race that we're running. God wants us to move forward and to endure and to finish the race. I want to look back at my life when it's over with, and I'd love to be able to say what Paul said. I finished my course. I kept the faith. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want, right? I don't want to say, well, I didn't quite do what God wanted, and uh, I didn't keep the faith. Because there are people that are going to say that someday. You know, it's amazing that people... and. I was talking to someone the other day because they have a hard time. They have a hard time thinking that Christians can backslide. They think that if Christians backslide, then they're truly not saved. 
is really what their opinion is of that. And they have a hard time looking at those things. But I asked the person, and they're a pastor as well, and I said, well, have you ever had someone in church that literally they get saved, they grow in the Lord, and they're just doing the things of God. They're teaching people. They're just on fire for God. They're always there, just growing, just doing great. And then all of a sudden, you barely see them anymore, and they just kind of fall off. I'm like, so you're telling me they never got saved? So no, I think they did. Life happens, and sometimes things happen that derail us from finishing the course that God has for us. God has a course for us. And, you know, and sometimes we mess things up. God still has a plan, doesn't he? I believe in the sovereignty of God. God still has a plan. And God works things together for good. How he does that, not everything is good, but he works things together for good. That's an awesome thing about our Lord. But as we look here today, you know, we've looked at this to get up to this point. We've kind of looked at the progression of backsliding. You let some things slip. You doubt the word of God. You don't hear from God. And then you willfully sin and live your life your way, not following what you know is right. How many Christians do I know? I know what I should be doing, but I'm doing this right now. Have you ever heard a Christian say that? I've heard many Christians say that. Because they know what's right. They've been around it enough. But when you go down that line, that's how it leads. The fifth exhortation, which we're not going to get to this week, is found in verse number 5 through verse number 13 in this passage. And that's to that the Lord chastens us. You willfully sin and you go down that road. There are times that a loving Heavenly Father, you've got to realize something. Does God chasten us because He just wants to get after us? If chastening comes, it, does, it comes because he loves us. Do you realize that today? He loves you. He loves you and I enough to want the very best for us. That's what God wants for us, the very best. And you know, you have, those of you that have kids in the room, you want the best for your kids. And then when they get older and then they start making their own decisions, you want what's best, but you don't make their decisions for them anymore. It's one thing to have a 12-year-old and be able to tell him, go do this, go do this. It's another thing for him to be 18 and become an adult, and he's making some of his own decisions. And I want what's best, but I'm going to have to let him do his thing and try, and hopefully we'll have a good enough relationship. Hopefully we have a good relationship that we can work together, and you'll take good advice as you get older, but things like that. But God wants what's best for you today. He does. We look at our passage today. God wants us to grow chapter 12, and I said, literally, your outline means nothing. I'm going to get point number one from the outline, and then I want you to make your own notes if you're going to take notes today. And it's just one of those messages that I've just been spending some time myself extra on this passage, and I decided to go deeper into it. Look at verse number one with me. Wherefore, seeing, chapter 12, verse one, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, who, here are all those that have come before us in faith, right? We saw them in chapter 11, and there are a lot of people that weren't even named there, and so that's the cloud of witnesses. You picture an arena, right? When you picture an arena, you go, USC almost lost their game last night, but at that football game, there were a bunch of spectators in the seats watching what was going on on the field. The Bible says we're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, and because of this, look what it says, Let's lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race. That word patience, endurance. Let's run with endurance the race that is set before us. How are we going to do this? By looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest he be weary and faint in your minds. This morning, my message very simply is, don't give up. Keep going forward. Endure. Patiently run the race God has for you. Don't stop. Don't give up. Because I think the Bible makes it clear here that there could be a time in the Christian life where we get weary and even faint in our own minds. Do you realize this morning the Christian life is not easy? If the Christian life was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy to read the Bible, do you know everybody would read the Bible every day? If it was easy to do. If it was easy to pray, we would pray all the time. Right? I think that's true. If it was easy to do the Christian life, to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, we would do it all the time. But it's not easy. The Christian life is not easy. And as we run whatever, and you've got to understand something. What was Jesus' course in his life? It was to die on a cross for us. And I don't know this morning if the Lord's calling us in our course to die for him. It might just be our course is to live for him. But maybe it's going to get to the point to where that changes and the persecution comes again. Now, I had, I had several people yesterday call me about this Israel thing, and Moss and all this stuff going on and wanting to ask me some questions. And, and you've got to understand, when we look at Israel and Palestine, we look at all of this stuff, one of the things that happens over time, and like, this guy is a Christian, but he doesn't know much Old Testament, one of the guys that called me or texted me. And so his thought is, that's the Palestinians' land, and Israel doesn't have a right to be in their land. That was his thinking. And why is Israel so important to God when they rejected Jesus? Which is a good question right there. But when you take the Bible at what it says, God chose Israel. He did. They are his people, his chosen people. Jesus came from them. And you say, well, what ha in the year 70 AD, around that time, Jerusalem was destroyed and all the Jews spread everywhere. And I think that was God's judgment on them for taking Jesus and crucifying him. And it hasn't been but 70 years since Israel became a nation again. And you got to understand that land over there is God's promise to them, isn't it? And it's interesting to know, and I don't know, you know, you can get all your sources of information in lots of different places. But when you have terrorists taking women captive and shooting them dead in the streets and taking children and taking people, that, is, that should not happen anywhere. But what Hamas, what someone said Hamas has said, the reason that they're doing this is, is because Israel wants to build their third temple over one of their mosque areas. Is that true or not? I don't know. But anytime I hear about a third temple, that just always makes me think of the book of Revelation and the need for a third temple. Say, is the end getting closer? It's always getting closer. It's, what time is it now? It is 10.38. When we started the service at 10.06 this morning, we're closer now at 1038 than what we were at 1006 to the Lord returning. He's coming again. But this, this person, they just kept going on about all this stuff. And I'm like, you know what you got to do in the midst of all this? Just keep your eyes on Jesus. He is our hope. In the midst of it all, keep your eyes on Jesus. So for a little bit of time this morning, and completely different from your notes, I'm going to preach on these three verses over the next few months. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll dive in. Father in heaven, we're grateful for today and grateful for your love for us. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for the blessings that you give to us, and thank you for your working in our lives. 
I pray you bless the next few minutes that we have, that you would meet with us and guide us as we look at this passage. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says, let us run the race with patience, the race that is set before us. I remember right before COVID hit, I weighed myself on the scale and I weighed 338 pounds. That was quite, that was all muscle, I know, but it was a lot of muscle. And I had to do something about all that muscle that I had. And I remember that day I decided it's time to do something about this. And so what I decided was, I'm going to start today, I'm going to go run a mile. That's what I'm going to do. I got out of my house. I know right where my house used to be over here, and I know the very exact bench. It's probably like one-tenth of a mile or one-fifteenth of a mile. It's not very far. I ran as fast as I could. Well, I ran as good as I could, and I didn't make it a mile. I got one-fifteenth of a mile, you know, fifteenth of a mile, fifteenth of one-hundredth of a mile, and I was dead. And I sat on that thing, and I'm like... <sighs> my heart rate was like 180. It was like, I thought my... And my heart was going to beat out of my chest. I'm like, well, that was a dumb idea to run a mile. So I walked. I walked the rest of it after I catch my breath. And I'd get my heart rate walking when I first started, like 130, 140 at a good pace, walking. So my goal was, though, I wanted to be able to run a little bit because I've never been able to run much. Even in high school, you say, in high school, I was, I was muscular in high school too. So it just it got designed it with me. It's one of those things, you know, like I look at my son, this tall, lengthy, skinny thing, and I'm like, where did that come from? That didn't come from me. That would be the Osgood genes, because you see his mom is nice and skinny, and then Matthew is nice and tall and skinny. So you must have got, gotten some good genes there, William. Enjoy it while you can, all right? But um, even in high school, I couldn't run very far. We had to do, we had conditioning week for football. And my junior year of high school, we got a Marine to be our football coach. Why did they put the Marine as the football coach? He was like a drill sergeant out there. Do this, do this. Pain and weakness leaving the body. I'm like, yeah, I feel it right now. And then if you don't have a mind, it doesn't matter. Pain is weakness leaving the body. I remember all those things. And he's barking those at us. He's got his whistle going with us. And I'm, I couldn't run very far. So I wanted to get to where I could at least run a mile. So I said I tried that that day. Didn't get very far. And it was very discouraging. We'll say a few later I tried to run again. I wanted to run a mile. I got a quarter of a mile. It was getting better. So then what I would do is if I'd walk five miles, I would run a quarter of a mile, walk three quarters of a mile, then run a quarter. And I did to where I ran a mile, but there was a lot of walking in between. But it got within a year of that time, I could run seven miles without stopping at a nine-minute rate, which isn't terrible for me. Some of you I know, I can do it in six and seven. That's wonderful for you, and you're awesome. I could get to a nine-minute mile. And uh, even till probably about five months ago, I was running about six to seven miles a day, and at a nine-minute mile was my average. Um, several months back, I sprained my ankle. I took the teens to an activity, and we went to a to a church, and I went running while I left them there, and my ankle went in a gopher hole. was not the greatest of things, but it literally took me three, four months to get my ankle back to normal. And my ankle, I injured in high school, so it's one of those things that just, so I would walk, but I had no lift, so I couldn't run anymore. Probably about a month ago now, I got back to running, after it had been probably three months of not, three, four months of not running. So in the difference in that time, for three to four months, I'd gained about 15 pounds, and I hadn't run in a while. I'd walk and I'd exercise still but not run. So I went running. And guess what? I made it one mile. 
My heart rate back when I was running seven miles and nine minute miles, I could only get to 125, 130. It wouldn't go above that. Running one mile in 11 minutes, my heart rate was 172. Where three weeks later, um, Friday I ran three miles in 34 minutes. My heart rate was 160 for three miles. When you stop, your endurance goes down. In Christian life, God just wants you to keep moving forward. I have a football team I'm coaching, Williams football team. How I got that, I don't know, but I'm enjoying it. And it's going good overall. And I tell the kids when they run laps and things, there are some times when they run laps that they'll just stop when they're just out of breath. I said, no, just keep moving. I don't care if it's a little walk. Just keep moving. Don't stop. Keep moving. Endure. The Bible talks about enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. God wants us to finish the course that we have. God wants us to move forward for him. God wants our faith. God wants us to grow. God desires that. And in this passage this morning, we see some things that will help us with that. I'm going to give you, um, in a minute I'll give you point number one, but you might want to take a few notes on the back here as we dive in. And I'll give you number one in a minute. But as we look here at this passage today, we see some things. God wants us to move forward in the Christian life. The first thing that we see here is some things that we've got to stop doing. Look at what it says there, first of all. It says, let us lay aside every weight. If you're going to go running, it really helped me not being 338 pounds when I was running. That really helped quite a bit. And the less weight, the better. I don't go out. I saw someone the other day, they were running, and they had one of those weighted vests on them. I'm like, you're crazy. I don't know how much more weight that added to you. But if I'm going to go running, I'm not adding weight. I'm not wearing a big jacket. I'm not wearing all these different things. I'm not going to go running in this tie that I got on today. The Bible says that if we're going to run this, there's some things we need to do. The first thing that we need to do is we need to lay aside every weight. What is hindering you from moving forward for God today? And that weight, when you look at that word, lay aside every weight, it literally means burdens or things weighing you down. So this could be sin in your life, but we'll talk about sin here in a minute. But this referring to about anything. What burdens are you carrying today that are hindering you from moving forward with God? And that's, isn't life full of burdens? Life is. And sometimes what happens is we take all of life and we have it in our hands and life just keeps adding up. And doesn't it seem like sometimes with life, life just doesn't give you a few things. It's like life throws everything at you at once. And then you end up where you got this big old load of things and it's just stacking up and it's getting higher and higher. And this is life right here. And now how are you going to run very good with all this stuff? The Bible says we are to lay aside every weight. The burdens, the things weighing us down. Is life full of pressures? Yes. Is there moments that we're weak? Is there moments that we need help? Yes. And do you know what we can do? What does the Bible tell us in Matthew 11? It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Instead of you carrying all these things, let the Lord help you carry them. Casting all your care upon him because he cares for you, the scripture says. And sometimes we aren't moving very far in the race because we're holding on to too much stuff. And literally, it says lay aside every weight. Now, when we look at that phrase there, we just think, oh, we're supposed to take this stuff. And I'm, I can't really even do what I want to do with all this stuff in a second. But it's literally like, oh, we take our stuff and just lay it aside. 
It literally means to put off. You know how your kids come home from school and they take their backpack and their shoes right at the door and throw them on the ground? That's literally what you're supposed to do with the burdens that you have in life. Lay them aside, just as your children. And you know what? All parents, you know what I'm talking about when I say that, right? It does without fail, right by the door. It's just where they do it. It's just the way it works. And then your husband and his, you know, his dirty clothes behind the door in the basket where they're supposed to go and things like that. You just lay them wherever. But literally, we take our burdens. And it says if you're going to run this race and endure and get through, you've got to take the burdens that you have and you've got to lay them aside. I'm not going to run with all this stuff in my hands. It doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't work that way. If I'm going to go out on a run, I wear as, you know, a very thin shirt, a thin pair of shorts. I don't have a bunch of clothes because it hinders you and weight slows you down. And the Bible says if you're going to move forward for the Lord, if you're going to do this thing, the first thing you need to do is you have to take your burdens and set them down. And stay awake, Michael. We see that there, and I'm like, my, my Bible's underneath all these burdens here, so let me get my Bible and my notes back. I really don't even have notes today. The stuff that it says on here, you won't even hear any of it today. My notes is this today. That's my notes today. So as we look here, we see that we need to lay aside every weight, and look at what the second thing it says. And the sin which just so easily beset us. Now, let's be honest in this room this morning. Each one of us has different sins that we struggle with. We do. And your sin is not, and this, we all have besetting sins. And sometimes those sins are even generational sins that are pass, passed down. Like, I'll give you an example. My dad, my grandpa, so my dad's dad, my grandpa and my uncle were both they big-time gamblers where they would lose things. They went the racetrack. What's the racetrack up over? Is that... Santa Anita, is that the one there? My grandpa lost his car one day, betting it in a race. And he had to walk home from Santa Anita to Bellflower area. I don't know how he even got home, but he literally lost his car. My uncle did something very similar. So you know something that my dad knew? In our family, gambling is something that is not, it's a, it gets carried away. So, and, you know, the best way not to do that is just don't gamble. Before my parents, when they would gamble some, this is what they would do. My dad would have $20 that my mom would give him. That's your money. You get nothing else. Now, he would lose it quick. My mom would, like, get more from hers, and then he would bum a few dollars off my mom. But when his money was gone, that was it. Because he knew his family had issues with gambling. And that was a limit that he put. And that might be where a limit would be just don't even go gamble then. We all have our besetting sins. There's sin inside of each of us. And you might say, well, I don't, I would, lying is nothing for me. Well, someone else, that might be their sin. Where every time that they, every time they think, even when nothing's wrong, they still lie. It's just a lie is a natural reaction to everything. That's a besetting sin. We all struggle with different sins. And we all do, right? And you know, and this morning, in all reality, you know what your besetting sins are. I know what mine are. You know what yours are. We all do. 
And the Bible says that if we're going to do this thing and run this race and endure, we got to take off all the weight that's holding us back and take the sin that's our besetting sins and set them aside so that we can run this race with patience and endurance and finish the race that God has for us. So in order to run the race the way God wants us to, there's two things we've got to do. We've got to take off the weights. Not only take off the weights, we have to take the besetting sin and set it aside. And then we've got to endure and keep moving forward for the Lord. How do we do that? How can we take off all the weight? How can we take the besetting sin and set it to the side? How can we endure the hard things? How can we finish the race that God has for us? That leads us to number one in our actual outline here today, the example of Jesus. The example of Jesus. That's what we see from it. So you can write that number one and then forget about the rest of the outline there. So write that number one, that's okay. That's why years ago when I started giving out outlines, some people like the outlines where they can take notes and do that, but every once in a while, like today, where I don't follow an outline, I don't like being handcuffed to an outline. And so I'm not handcuffed to it today. You have a paper in your hand, but it's really not doing you much good, but that's okay. But maybe you can read it later, and there'll be something good on there that pops off for you. But as we look here, we see that as we, because of what we've seen so far and what the Lord wants to do in our lives, we need to take the weight that's holding us back, set it down, take the besetting sin, set it down, and we need to run with patience or endurance the race set before us. You know, when I, when I run, I remember even just a few days ago, a few weeks ago when I started running again, that one mile, do you know like one-tenth of the mile in, do you know what my body told me? Brian, you're tired. You need to stop. It would be much better just to go sit on the couch and watch a football game right now. That would be much better than running right now. But, you know, my body kept going. My mind tried to stop me every other second. And like, why are you doing this to yourself again? I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Just stop, relax. Just, and th- it's true. That's what we do. And there are times, and especially with that, and your body, it's amazing what your body can really do. I'm sure I could have gotten a lot further than one mile, but my mind things were done. They were done at one-tenth of a mile again, but I got a mile. Just endure. Keep going. Run the race God has for you. And you've got to understand something. It would be good for each of us to accept the race that God has for us. You're like, I just don't, I don't, li- I don't like this course. I'll play, every once in a while, I'll still play video games with my kids. Not often. But they got, um, what's the one with the, where the, Mario Kart. It's been a while since I played Mario Kart with you guys, but when we used to play, there were certain courses I liked because I was actually decent with certain ones. And then other courses were terrible. And even, what's that one that you guys play where you're fighting each other, the different Mario, the different things? You pick different, do you know what? Yeah, Smash Bros? Smash Bros, yeah. And I would play that one some, and they would do this one where it's like, you're in space or something, and you can barely, and I hated that one because I literally, I didn't like that course. But you don't, life's not a video game. You don't get to say, I'll play this course, this is my course. You don't choose the course, right? The Father's will for Jesus was to die on the cross. That was his course. Paul's course involved suffering and being beaten, the gospel and being in prison. That was Paul's course. Paul didn't get to pick it. You don't get to stand there with God and say, okay, I'll take this one or this one. 
You have a course. God wants you to finish your course. And if we're going to do that, we have to lay aside the weight that's holding us back. We have to take our sin that besets us and set it to the side, and we just keep moving forward. But how can we do that? How can we take the weight off? How can we take the sin that besets us and set it down? How can we keep moving forward? The only way it's going to work is by looking to Jesus. Look at verse number two. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hey, if we're going to do this thing and we're going to put those weights down and we're going to put that sin aside and we're going to continue in the race, you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. That's why we sang that song this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth that will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. You think about Peter. Sometimes Peter gets a bad rap for things, doesn't he? But remember that day that Jesus comes to them walking on water? I don't know what all the other disciples were thinking, but Peter decided to walk on water with Jesus. And I know, well, he started to sink. He did, didn't he? When did he start to sink? When he got his eyes on everything. Whoa, I'm walking on water. I'm on, the water's big. All these things are happening. He took his eyes off of Jesus. A great lesson. If you want to sink in the Christian life, take your eyes off of Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When I was in um, sixth grade, we did a uh, junior camp we went to. We go up to Idlewild every year for this junior camp. Now, this junior camp, the, one of the best parts about junior camp was the creek that we would go down to. And so the creek down there, and it had been a good winter, so the creek was pretty full, and there was a waterfall we had walked. Probably the most fun of the whole thing. I don't even like water, but I liked walking to the waterfall. Did I get in the water very much? No, but I still went over there by the waterfall. Well, there's this one area that the water was rushing pretty good because, you know, a stream that flows. And in this area, it was flowing pretty good. So they told us, this is how you got to walk across right here. And there's people trying to help us and things. And they said, whatever you do, don't stop. Just keep going and get through. Well, my friend that was right before me, his name was James. He was going and he stopped and his got caught down in a rock. And so the wave hit him and, you know, his foot's kind of stuck. He's going this way. He's stuck like this. The wave kind of hits him, and he's back like this. So the waters is flowing in his face. And what's the first thing that he does? He panics. Say, well, what did you do? I just was like, I, I, I froze for a second. That wasn't the thing to do either. I should have tried to help, but I froze. Because I'm like, what's going to happen? There was a, and there was, a, there was an adult right there. And the adult said, and there was two adults. And they, what they had to get him to do was literally just get him to get his head back up. His head was above the water. But he was flailing. He wasn't doing that. Like, look at me. Pick your head up and look at me. And he's nervous, probably in a little shock at this point. And I just remember them, one of the workers saying, just keep your eyes on me. Just keep your eyes on me. The other worker got his foot unstuck and he got out of there. They had to take what was going on and get his focus on them and not on what was going on around them. In the Christian life, if you're going to endure and you're going to take the weights that's weighing you down, take that sin and say, how's it going to work? You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the key. Do you realize today our identification comes from Jesus? Too many Christians try to find their identity in so many other things. Even we as Baptists do it. 
We try to find our identity in this person or that thing. It doesn't say look to your pastor, look to a spiritual mentor. It says look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Man, I could look back at my life, and I've been, I've been in Baptist churches my whole life. And I could give example after example. My youth pastor went to jail for five years for molesting girls. My youth pastor. The guy who signed my college diploma went to jail for taking a girl across state lines at 16 and doing things with her he shouldn't have done. And I remember when I found out about that, it was 2012, someone called me and they're like, did you hear what so-and-so did? I'm like, um, no. Are you sure this is right? And there were many of my friends that were questioning their own faith. Like, is it real? I never questioned my faith. You know why? Because my faith wasn't built on those two men. My faith was built on Jesus Christ. My faith wasn't built on the Baptist religion or the domination. My faith was built on Jesus Christ. And so you say, oh, did you just, yeah, I just kept going. But there were many people that did not. And you know why? Because they built their foundation up on these men and put them up on these pillars and don't put a man up on a pillar because they're going to come crashing down. you got to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's never let me down. He's always faithful. He always comes through. And yes, men failed and these things happen and yes, it, 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 it stinks and yes, I don't like it and I don't like hearing about these things that happen. But this morning, my faith was never rattled because Jesus is the one I look to. There is no man I look to for my faith. I look to Jesus. He's the author. He's the pioneer of it. He's the one who began it. He's the trailblazer. He's the one who said, now he did these things. And look what it says. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy. What joy? I think that joy was twofold. I think the joy, first of all, was doing the Father's will. There's always joy doing things God's way. I believe that to be true. You could look at John 15, and the Lord said, Jesus said these words about how I've told you these things, you need to do them, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. But I think Jesus also, the joy that was set before him, had to do with the fact that he was going to take his bride and take us and present us faultless before God so that we could be with him forever. Jude, verse 24, tells us that. And in that verse it says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. You see, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, the joy that he endured the cross. We look at the cross and we look at it as some simple thing. Can you imagine the pain and the suffering that Jesus, he endured it. He took the cross. He was willing to take our price. He was willing for the wrath of God to be on him. On Wednesday nights, we're studying the book of Revelation. As we study the book of Revelation, we're getting close to the time where God's wrath is unleashed on the earth. Do you realize that God's wrath was unleashed on Jesus? He took our penalty on the cross. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And today, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If we're going to continue on and do what God has us and finish this race, you know what we got to do? We need to look to Jesus. Not only look to Jesus, we need to consider him. Look at verse number three. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be weary and faint in your minds. See, as we look at this passage this morning, we see there's a great cloud of witnesses. And God wants us to take the things weighing us down and the sin that does beset us. He wants us to set those aside 
And he wants us to endure and to continue on on the race that he has for us. And how do we do it? By looking to Jesus and keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know, that, I, I love that song. We sang it, and I just mentioned a little bit ago. It's so true. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. The problem is we get so weighed down with everything, and rightfully so. Life's hard. Things in life are not easy, and sometimes it seems like life just piles up and piles up and piles up on us. But if we quit looking at the problems and looking to God, look to Jesus. Because what happens is when you keep dealing with all your problems, what we're saying at some point is our problems are bigger than our God is when our God is bigger than any problem that we have. Look to him. And not only look to him, consider him and how he handled it and all that he went through. You know, we could take a lot of time this morning, and we're just about done. But when we look at Jesus and we look at his life and the things that he did, consider him. You know, we look at people and say, well, pastor, you don't understand how bad my life is. You don't understand the house I was raised in. You don't understand the parents that I had. I don't, I don't understand why I'm not married today, or I don't understand why this, or I don't understand why this happened, or this, or that, or all these other things. Christian, may I encourage you today, wherever you're at and what you don't feel is fair or right, I would encourage you to consider him. Think about Jesus. 